three, two, one, go. I forgot the intro. Welcome to the Couch Time Podcast, where we give you tools to connect with your student and point them to Jesus. I'm Ryan. And that pause in the room is intentional because I'm alone. I'm the only one on the podcast today. Your boy Ryan is flying solo. Um, Steven and Aaron are busy. Actually, Aaron's getting back from sabbatical. If you've ever gotten back from like a week-long vacation, you know that like that day back from vacation is like the worst day ever because you're just swamped. Well, imagine getting back from two months of vacation. Like those two months were great, but I'm sure I'm praying for Aaron. That I bet that day back is is tough. So anyway, but we don't feel sorry for him because he got two months off. All right. We're thankful for Grace Fellowship Church and them giving us pastors two months off. All right. And you're getting a glimpse into my very ADD mind. Um, it's just going to be me today, but we're going to have fun. Uh, you should know, speaking of the generosity of Grace Fellowship Church, I just got back from my annual conference. Uh, this past weekend, I was in Florida with my wife, Emily. Our denomination, the EFCA, puts on a conference for uh, youth pastors, and it's kind of a two-in-one conference. On the one hand, it's a marriage conference, so all the youth pastors, there are, I think, 80 youth pastors and their wives there, and they do uh, sessions on how to have a healthy marriage while being in ministry, and that can be a challenge, and so that was great, but it also, there was a second part to the conference where myself and about 20 other youth pastors just talked about ministry, swapped ideas, encouraged one another, and it was great. And one of the conversations that came up that actually had me thinking about you all as parents um, and, and sort of piggybacks off of a podcast that Stephen and I did two weeks ago where we talked about the how, you know, like your students' attendance at church is not necessarily a marker for spiritual growth, that your child can be here, you know, their bottom is in a seat, they're going on retreats, et cetera, but they might be but they might not even believe, but they might be stagnant in their faith. And it's not always a marker of spiritual growth. And so what we were talking about as youth pastors is like, oh, we love to count our numbers. We like to talk about how many kids we've got. We love to talk. Youth pastors love to talk about their budgets and how like their budget is a marker of how well their ministry is doing or how many kids got baptized. And all these things are good. Like it's good that kids go on retreats. It's good that kids show up. It's good that kids get baptized. But that's not always a guarantee of spiritual growth, of sanctification, of growing in the knowledge and the wisdom and maturing in Christ. And so how do you know that? And so we talked about different metrics that we want to measure how do we know that kid, like not just butts and seats, but like how, how do we know that our kids are actually growing? So one of the things I wanted to talk about with you guys is, well, beyond just your child coming to church, and that's a good thing, or your child getting baptized, that's a good thing, or going to trips, that's a good thing. What are things that you can see in your son or daughter that are markers of Christian growth? And I'm borrowing, <laughs> I'm borrowing these ideas from a book um, by a guy named Jared Wilson. I really like him as a a pastor and an author. He's a good resource. He's got this book called Gospel Driven Church, which is kind of directed towards guys like me who work at church. But he steals from Jonathan Edwards, who's uh, one of our first mega church pastors. He was a Puritan. And he, Jonathan Edwards, understood this idea that like attendance 
isn't a marker for spiritual maturity. And so Edwards gives five areas of spiritual maturity. But here's what I want to do. Don't turn off the podcast. I'm going to give you actually book resources that have been impactful in my life that relate to these five different things that you can encourage your child in. And so I don't know about you, but like I, when I head into the holidays, it's kind of a weird paradox where I feel like things get busier. I have more events to go to. I've got family in town, et cetera, but I also have more time to read. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe that's just me. If you're like me, you might have time to read, but I would encourage you to pick maybe one of these books or one of these five topics to lean into both in your own growth, but we know that your kids are watching you. So as you grow, they might see a change in you and they might have that desire as well. Or if you want to go through with your kid one of these five things along with the resources, that might be a great idea too. All the books I've picked, except for a few of them, are easily digestible by students. Okay, so you can either read them, you can go through them with your kids, or you can hand the book off to your kid and say, hey, I think this might be a good idea. Let's read this together. Okay, so what are five markers? Um, Edwards called these metrics of grace. So a metric of grace not being simply like how many times you showed up to church, but how healthy you are as a Christian, okay? Um, So characteristics of a genuine move of God's spirit in the life of a human being, okay? So number one, Edwards gives a growing esteem for Jesus, and this is really the foundational one. Is your child growing in their esteem for who Jesus is, okay? It's not that Jesus is just sort of an add-on, to their life, sort of like adding, you know, like a lemon wedge to your water, but it's just drenching your water, your cup of water with the lemon juice. It infuses everything. There's the flavor of Christ in everything that they do. Um, And so is your child growing in that way? If you would like to grow in that, or if you would like your son or daughter to grow in that, I've got some books for you. Um, Growing Esteem for Jesus Christ, this book... (laughs) is comical to me. It's called, it's called 50 Reasons Why Jesus Came to Die. It's by John Piper. If you want to know who Jesus is and why he came for you, this is the book. When I first read this book and read the title, I thought I read it as five reasons why Jesus came to die. And I was like, Ooh, that's a good idea. Five reasons. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, there's 50, 50. And so here's the beauty of this book though. And Piper's brilliant. Each pay, each, each of the sections, each of the 50 is like a page and a half long so easily to do. You could do, you could even like just an idea. You could go through each of these with your son or daughter every day, like now between, between now and Christmas, that's like close to 50 days. And like, I guarantee you, if you did that, your affection for Jesus, the centrality of Jesus in your life, it has to grow. It will, it just will. So super easy. It's digestible. Love this book, a hundred pages, knock it out. Okay. So obviously I love Piper and his, his theology. He's been super influential on me. That's 50 reasons why Jesus came to die. Another book for you. Uh, this one's super popular. Actually, it's so popular that uh, they gave out free copies of this to us at the conference, but also Grace gives out free copies of these. We have these available for free, no charge. Um, it's uh, Dane Ortland's Gentle and Lowly. Gentle and Lowly. So while the 50 reasons why Jesus came to die is like good, concise theology for the work of Christ. Gentle and lowly gives you a bit of a, a, a nice picture of the heart of Christ and that, and how God's heart, Christ's heart for us can sort of shape our heart as well and inform our day-to-day living. So this is a great book as well. 
I think it's, you know, the tagline is the heart of Christ for sinners and sufferers. So if you want to grow in your esteem for Jesus, this is a great book as well. I've got another book. This is one that maybe is a harder sell to your students. I confess it's lengthy. I listened to it on audiobook and it was good. Um, it's called The uh, Cross of Christ and it's by John Stott. It's a bit of an older book. It is meaty. So it kind of, it's like 50 reasons why Jesus came to die on steroids. And actually I listened to this book when COVID hit and, um, you know, we were all like, I'm going to be a better me while I'm on lockdown. And so I started working out inside doing, uh, at home workouts. And I listened to this book <laughs> and it was amazing. I'm like doing pushups crying because I'm getting John Stott's like in-depth theology for the cross of Christ and why Jesus came to die. I mean, I was failing at trying to do pull-ups, but that was all right because Jesus died for me. Woo! It was good. Okay, so that that's a good one. If you're an audible listener, I actually liked the narrator for that one. Sometimes narrators for audible books are not talked about enough, uh, but that one was good. So that's a growing esteem for Jesus. That's number one. Um, number two, another metric of grace is a discernible spirit of repentance. It's one thing to know that you're a sinner. It's another thing entirely to know that you can go back to God in repentance, that you can turn your thinking around and that Jesus has died for your sins. And I think that those books that I just gave you, 50 Reasons Why Jesus Came to Die, Gentle and Lowly, uh, The Cross of Christ, those are all, those will all open up a door for your child. I think the, these two categories relate. Like you will be able to see that, yeah, Jesus died for your sins, so you can turn back to him. But another book that I will recommend to you is um, a book I read early on in my Christian walk. It's called Prodigal God by Timothy Keller. And I love this book because I think it's one of the best um, simple, digestible expositions of um, Luke 15 and the prodigal son. And it, if there's ever a, a section of scripture tied to a narrative that unpacks what it means to return back to God. And it gives you the multi-faceted element of like, yes, you've got like the younger son who just in the most literal prodigal way spends everything he has and, 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 and is in his sin in that way. But you also get the older son who is self-righteous, right? And so that kind of meets wherever you're at, prodigal God will help unpack that and see how we have a, a prodigal God who spends, um, uh, excessively on us, right? So that we can turn back to him. He, he spends by giving his son. And so Keller does a really nice job of unpacking that. It's really, really easy to read. I like it. Big font, big lines. You, you just feel like you're cruising through this book. So it's, it's digestible for students too. And uh, yeah, highly recommend this book. Another one that might be out of the box that I recommend for students is this book by Richard Foster called The Celebration of Discipline. The Celebration of Discipline, I think, is helpful when it comes to repentance and a spirit of repentance. Is I think that the, the, the disciplines, right, like just reading your Bible every day, spending time in prayer and solitude, like fasting, and actually he's got a section on here called Confession, some of the, if we make time for God to speak to us through his word and prayer and give space for the spirit to speak to us, I think we will become a people who are much better at confessing. Like, I think I struggle to confess my sin because I am 
so busy, so preoccupied with other things that I don't, I don't reflect on like the depths of my sin enough, but also the depths of God's grace and how I can always turn back to him. And so I find that whenever my personal walk and my um, discipline of following the disciplines is doing well, my, my, my life of confession, of always confessing back and, and going back to God and repenting also goes up. And so does my intimacy with God because of it. And so it's just sort of this beautiful cycle. And so if your child needs help with spiritual disciplines, it, he, he does a really nice job of unpacking. Um, by the way, you'll notice the crinkly paper. A student once came to my office. He's like, you stole this from the library. No, it is a library book, but see 99 cents. I bought it from the Worthington Public Library. Okay, anyway. I would confess that sin if I had to, but I didn't sin. I bought it. Okay, so that he, I'm so ADD, I apologize. Anyway, so he goes through, uh, Foster goes through, what does it look like to prayer, to fast, to study God's word, simplicity, solitude, service, confession, worship, celebration, all these different spiritual disciplines that help us grow. Recommend that book. Go get it. Hopefully you find it for 99 cents at a library, but if not, it's worth it. All right. A next one, another metric of grace is a dogged devotion to the word of God. So how do you know if you're, if you're growing, if God's doing a work in your life beyond just you showing up to church, it's you falling more and more in love and in reverence and in submission for God's word. Okay, I've got some books for you. Um, for students, how to read the Bible for all it's worth. Gordon Fee great biblical commentator. Some of my favorite Bible commentaries are, are written by Mr. Fee, probably Dr. Fee, if we're being honest. He's smart. And Douglas Stewart. This, I, I think this is a helpful book for um, giving students a lens. It's pretty meaty and dense, but it, it helps um, students understand like, okay, if I'm reading Old Testament narrative, what's happening? Or if I'm reading Jonah, or if I, what is Revelation and how is, how is how Revelation is written as apocalyptic literature different than the epistles? And so it gives students these categories for how to read your Bible. The Bible is a complex book. It was written at many different times in different places with different authors, with different sort of um, uh, genres of literature. Well, what, okay, that might be new information for students or things that they might not have considered. And so if you want to help your student unpack the depth and rich of the Bible. I encourage them. This is a good one, a good resource. And then I also have two sort of devotionals. I find that students often just don't have a place to start. They have a desire to read the Bible maybe every day, but they don't have the structure to do so. And so I've got some other more um, simpler devotions that I could give students, but I just wanted to focus on two for you. Number one, many this one's popular, but it's popular for a reason. This is by New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp. This book is good for like, I don't know, 80-year-olds and 8-year-olds. Like probably not 8-year-olds, but definitely 80-year-olds and definitely high schoolers and probably middle schoolers as well, especially if you read it with them. So this book, you can open it up to today's date and you will do a little reading and it'll have a devotional for you. And I think these sorts of tools can really help you to uh, grow in God's word, God, the love for God's word. And here's my bonus one for uh, dogged devotion to the word of God. This is called the Blue Book. It is a devotional guide for every season of your life. It is written by uh, 
Jim Branch, who I believe had have some ties to Young Life, but he this was sort of an infamous, very famous um, devotional guide specifically intended for high school students. And for a while it was out of print. Now it's back in print. And so you can pick this up on Amazon or wherever for um, like 15 bucks. But I found this to be a really good resource for high school students who are ready to take their Bible reading to the next level. And so each week sort of has a theme um, with daily scripture readings attached to it, but also other excerpts from books that he attaches to it um, and reflections upon the the Bible reading. So anyway, this is called the Blue Book. It's great. Highly recommended. I've gone through this with students before. It's awesome. Okay. Next section for a metric of grace is an interest in theology and doctrine. Good news, parents. If your child is asking you questions, hard questions about the faith, hard questions about the Bible, hard questions about Jesus, or just they want to learn more about it, that means that they're growing. And that means that God is doing something in their life, even if they're not a believer in Jesus. That was me as a high schooler. I did not believe in Jesus, but man, I had questions. Why? God's spirit was working, trying to reach me. And he might be doing the same thing for you. So I've got books um, to help you maybe uh, spark or help you give direction to those spiritual questions and I'm just going to fly through them. I've got, I think I've got the most books in here. Um, so number one, this is uh, the New City Catechism Beep. by Tim Keller again. And uh, I believe written by, oh, it's a foreword written by his, his wife. So I like this one. This is a really a beautiful book. Um, but a catechism is something that you can repeat with your children. Um, so in a way that's similar, you, you memorize scripture. A catechism, so for instance... Um, if you, how to use this book, it's got a nice intro on like, what is a catechism? We as like non-Anglicans don't really use catechisms often, but I think that they can be helpful. It will have a question each page. So this question is, why was it necessary for Christ the Redeemer to die? And then it gives you an answer along with a passage of scripture. So, uh, you know, the answer here, why was it necessary for Christ the Redeemer to die? Since the the answer is, since death is the punishment for sin, Christ died willingly in our place to deliver us from the power and penalty of sin and bring us back to God. There's the answer. Passage of Scripture, Colossians 1, 21 to 22. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, uh, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death to present you holy, blameless, above reproach before him. And so I like this because there's a, a plethora of different ways you can use these. You can you can Kids can... Um, have that question and then immediately have that passage of scripture memorized. You can go through this with your kids. You can have them read a page a day. That will help them give them sort of a box or a framework of solid theology. So that's helpful. Ooh, another one is this series of books called The Big Ten Critical Questions Answered for Theology. These books um, answer really, really challenging questions on theology. So either you can read this if your kids are asking them, or, or you can point them to this resource yourself. So um, these books were recommended to me, I think, through the uh, Reformed Theological Seminary podcast. Um, so they recommended this. This one is specifically is, How Could a Loving God Send Anyone to Hell? So if your kid struggles with that question, you're like, hey, man, God's really loving, but what's up with this hell thing? How could he do that? Boom, 100-page book. 
that explains it. Uh, orthodox, um, and really, really simply, as simple as possible and well. So I like these books. They're helpful for me, even as a pastor, of like, how do I, how do we concisely, thoughtfully think through these things? And then the bonus. You might, okay, you're like, I want to grow in theology. What do we do about that? I recommend for you, yes, Grudem's Systematic Theology. You say, Ryan, you're an idiot. My kid's not going to read that book. And I say, yes, probably not the whole thing through. But I read this book, not the whole way through, but a lot of it when I was 18 years old. It's possible. And so a systematic theology is sort of an exhaustive point A to point Z of the theology of the Christian faith. And I love Grudem's systematic theology because it is exhaustive, but it's not exhausting to read. Okay, so you can, he's pretty um, easy to read. There are some, some systematic theology books I remember reading. I'm like, this is like a second language, not this one. He does a really nice job. He doesn't just give you, he tells you what he believes to be true, but he'll give you other perspectives as well. And I remember as a new Christian, sort of similar to this book, well, what about hell? I would go, turn to, go to the, you know, the, the, the index, turn to the hell section, and I would read what, what Grudem had to say about hell. <laughs> or I just turned to, <laughs> coincidentally, I turned to gifts of the Holy Spirit. If, you're, if your son or daughter is like, hey, does God still work miracles? You can read what Grudem has to say about it in just a few pages. And so this is a really nice reference for you of like, ah, I'm not sure. Let's pull out Grudem, see what he has to say. Highly recommend. If you want something shorter, he actually has this book called 20 Basic, uh, it's 20 Basics Every Christian Should Know, Christian Beliefs. It's basically a 100-page condensed version of the big book, His Systematic Theology. So, and then the EFCA actually has, our denomination has a nice book that might be helpful for you. It's an, it's an extension of its 10 doctrinal statements. It's called, oh geez, what's it called? Evangelical Convictions is what it's called. Evangelical Convictions, that's a good one as well. It's a bit of a snoozer, I confess, but if you're interested in theology and if your child's interested in theology, it's a good read. But those are those recommendations. Oh my goodness, I'm going long. I need to go fast. This might be the worst podcast ever. I apologize if it is. All right, last one, an an evident love for God and neighbor. Okay, if you are growing as a Christian metric of grace, you're not just showing up to church, you're growing in your love for others and love for God. Um, I'll give you some love for others. If you're loving others, you're wanting to make disciples. And I found this book to be helpful. Um, It's called I Once Was Lost. Tagline, and it's written by Doug Everts and, or Don Everts and Doug Schaup. Um, I believe these guys used to work for the college ministry, the Navigators, and they were and they did ministry um, with a bunch of postmoderns at college, and they did a big survey of like, okay, all of these postmoderns who went to college and came to faith, how do they come to faith? And this book essentially lays out, I think it's about six thresholds that essentially a postmodern atheist needs to pass through. Typically, God works in mysterious ways. He works in a diverse amount of ways, but typically they saw this happen. So the first step to becoming a Christian is that they got to know and trust another Christian. That's phase one. So for you and your child, how do you love other people? You, it's all about relationship. Evangelism is relationship. They need to trust you 
typically before they can trust what you have to say about God. And so that's like step one. There's like six other ones. And so this book is another 100-page book, really easy to digest. You'll get the point. It's great. Another one, How to Love God, Love Others, Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's a little bit heady. Maybe this it's short. It's like 70 pages long, but um, it's great. It just gives you a beautiful picture of Christian community. Love this book. And then this is a book I've not read, but I'm going to read. I'm taking my own advice. This was uh, recommended to me by Linda Marksberry, our resource um, director of our bookstore. It's called Love Walked Among Us by Paul Miller. She said this is a fantastic book for learning about, okay, God's love for us, and then how do I love other people? What else about this book is good? I don't know, but she's very wise and well-read. I'm going to read this this Christmas. Boom. Whew. That was the reading list. I hope this was not a terrible podcast, number one. I want to thank you if you stuck through it the whole way. If you have other recommendations for books, I would love to hear them. I'm going to try and read more, listen to more books too. I like to listen to books while I'm like doing the dishes and working out and walking the dog. But I want to encourage you as parents. I, I you know, I think sometimes I, I read these metrics of grace and it can be daunting. It's like, oh man, I don't even see that in my life, let alone my child's life. But folks, I, our God is gracious and loving and he's patient with us. And I know that he's working in your life. I know that he's working in my life. And I'm praying that he's working in the lives of our students. Instead of focusing on all five, pick one. You know, whether that's you growing your love for Jesus, whether that's growing your love for God's word or for theology or loving others, pick one, pick a book, start there. And, and really, I would say pick, start, start with Jesus, and the rest will follow. So um, anyway, best, I, I wish the best for you all. I'm praying for you all as parents. That's all I've got for you. I hope you have a great rest of your week. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at the Couch Time Podcast. We'd love it if you would take a moment and leave us an honest five-star rating. Let us know what you thought about the podcast and let us know if there's any topics you would like us to cover. You can comment below or email us at podcast at graceky.org.